Solomon, you're late. <laughs> <clears throat> to Off the Cuff Sports. As always, I am your host, JT. With me, as always, is Lem and Solo. And special guest here today is my namesake, my father. Introduce yourself. Joe Castacano, retired coach, retired fire chief, retired everything. <laughs> Where did you, uh, what, what's your, your history with coaching? With oh, um, I, I mean, I first started coaching coming out of, uh, coming out of college. Uh, did some youth baseball first, a little basketball. Uh, moved on and got a break when I, a uh, couple years after I got out of high, uh, got out of college, went ahead and uh, started coaching uh, back in my old high school. Uh, was wonderful to be able to uh, coach with the guys that actually were my coaches. Uh, we won a state championship with them. Uh, moved on there, moved down to Georgia. I got a couple of years, another five years in Georgia going ahead and coaching uh, football, baseball. Uh, after that, had you know one season of youth and one season of semi-pro football as a head coach, and uh, you know other than that, uh, you know some girls' soccer for ten seasons, which really stresses the limit of a coach's patience. But other than that, especially because you were doing it for free and not. Yeah, <laughs> if I I don't know if they could have paid me enough to to really deal with it. I mean, I got paid to coach girls' tennis one year, and that may have. That was very close to being my last year ever coaching anything. <laughs> so as you can see, we we are bringing somebody on, not just because he's any sort of nepotism. He knows more about – he's forgotten more about coaching than the rest of us probably will ever will ever know about it. Uh, but we'll get into it as always. Uh, I don't know how much you've, watched, you've listened to the show. I have. Uh, we always start the show out with the team in distress uh, or the distress club. Uh, so the, the team, player, person, whatever – in the sports world that they're flying their flag upside down now. Uh, I'll give you time to think of yours. Uh, go ahead, guys. What What's your your team in distress for the week? I'm going to have a random team. And it's, it's not that the team is doing bad. It's just uh, a series of unfortunate events. Based the off of their, no. Uh, oh. This is a wild one. Kansas college uh, football team. Um, Les Miles just got caught up in the LSU <laughs> scandal where he apparently was doing some stuff to female athletes or students, whatever the case may be. But he was never fired for it, um, even though the AD recommended that he was fired. Um, and it's coming back to bite him. Kansas, who is been on a little bit of a come up since they've hired Les Miles, has now put him on administrative leave um, pending further investigation. And they're going to have to start their entire rebuild over um, just because LSU was holding back information um, for the past five to 10 years over Les Miles. So they're going to um, have some issues. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they started seeing a trend of students uh, basically transferring out. The Tennessee treatment, even though they're not going to have any penalties, but, you know, can't lose your head coach this far into spring um, training. That, that you know. brings up the question, uh, is it fair to be fired for mistakes you made in the previous job? With it. Job where he's done with it being, you know, we have no evidence of him doing anything wrong doing at this job. Exactly. With it being the type of um, issue, accusations, right? I think it's fair to assume that if they knew about it, they may not have hired him in the first place. So now they're going back in, you know, and figuring out should we fire him? Just you know, that's not the person we want to represent our brand, but. And in other situations, like if a coach got recruiting violations or didn't perform or whatever the case may be, something a little less intense, I, I don't think he should get fired. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I think we've, we've, we've had plenty of conversations about wrongdoing with head coaches. We kind of know all, where we all stand on that. Um, and this is kind of a, this, I feel like this conversation might take us outside of the realm of what we usually talk about uh, right. on the podcast. Uh, but you're right, it is going to greatly affect the university moving forward. Um, you probably know that more than either of us would know that working in working at a college briefly and knowing how these negative headlines can affect the university and uh, enrollment and all those such things. And so it's it's more than just affecting sports with this this event. Um, but uh, we'll move on. What is your uh, distress uh, situation? Um, let's see. So many to account for. Uh, the biggest one, the biggest one uh, is going to be my brand new uh, basketball team. The Lakers got to get their stuff together. I'm sick and tired of watching this. I'm sick and tired of us like trying to mess up. They're going – what what's going to be LeBron's final like legacy stand? Like pick players, let's keep them around, let's build the culture, and let's just push through. But no, everybody's listening to Lamoris's little two cents on this podcast. They're getting rid of all the good players. Friend, that has yeah. nothing to do with the players. Everybody's <laughs> hurt. What are you talking about, bro? I understand. Caruso's been out. Well, uh, here's the answer to your question: about legacy for LeBron. His legacy is going to be building a super team. His super team gets injured, and he carries his team to the NBA oh. championship, and they lose to another super team. He can't carry. <laughs> wow. We're not talking about Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace. I'm just saying, ever since just AD's saying. been out, ever since AD's been out, he has not been um, winning as much as, you know, He's normal. 36. All I'm saying all I'm He's saying is he can't carry. Six. He's can't 36. Carry. What That's do fine. you want the man to do? He's 36. I don't want him to do anything. He's I just 36. want you to admit that he can't carry the team right now. No, he can. He's Thank 36. You. He's 36. He can't carry the team. Don't give qualify him a break. your statement. Don't qualify your statement. He can't He's carry. He's no. Let's okay. leave it at that. Okay. 36. Okay. We could, 36. You guys could say those two, two things for the next 40 minutes. And that'd be the entire podcast. So let's move on from that. Uh, you have your, your distress? Yeah, I've got, um, I mean, it, it's a month old. Don't know if you've already talked about it, but I think the story is still unfolding. Have you discussed uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, his son? With the we Eastern? have not brought up Andy Reid's situation. You know, no. I got to tell you, that was one, I mean, obviously, heart goes out to the family, a tragedy that should have never happened. I spent too many years, uh, 25 years as a paramedic, dealing with, not only the injuries to the uh, and, and and the outcome of people that were the innocents, but on the other side, you do have other people. You have that collateral damage. Um, and I'll tell you one thing: is I don't think this story is over as it's unfolding. Yes, Reed was wrong. Should not have been driving. Should not. And, and happens all the time. People do it that normally don't do it. He's one that's got a little bit of history, and that may be a little bit of the issue here. That I mean, how good is you know, how really good is nepotism in, in when you get into, you know, high-end college sports and pro football? Uh, my feeling is Andy Reid did not call the game. And, I mean, it didn't matter to me who won. Andy Reid did not call the game the way Andy Reid would have been part of a game if his head was in it. He just finds out his son, who's one of his coaches, gets in an accident and nearly kills a girl. And as the story unfolds, I'm sure Andy Reid knew that probably because of past history, he was having a, a bit of a drinking problem at the moment. And now he's got this on his mind when he's going into one of the biggest games of his life. Um, I think this is going to rattle a team. I think this is going to, I mean, it's going to shake up a coaching staff, obviously. I don't think we are seeing the end of this problem. And here's where I think it is. I think this is going to head ahead and, it's going to be like a virus and it's going to infect next season, maybe the season after there's not only, you know, Andy Reed because of where his head was at. I am sure though some players there may even be resentful that Andy was not fully on board that night. And granted Tom Brady, though I am not his biggest fan, unbelievable quarterback, 
played an unbelievable game. No two ways about it. But I am really not sure they should have beat the spread by that much. <laughs> All right. So that's what I'm thinking about right so now. So basically what you're saying here is this team – the dynasty may fall before it actually even began. Really. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a podcast guy, but you summed it up pretty well. Yeah, and that's 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 because I, I you can see that because and 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 that could go into a conversation that we could easily have uh, if we anoint dynasties too early. Yep. And we say, oh, this is the next dynasty after they've won one Super Bowl, they've won one championship, and like we thought Seattle was going to be the next dynasty when they went back to the Super Bowl after winning it the year before, they yeah. lost at the last second to a kid from West Alabama, which still hurts, by the way. But uh, And they have never gone back to the Super Bowl ever again. And that rolls perfectly into my person in distress right now has got to be Russell Wilson. Because now he has, with a bad offensive line, assuming he stays with the Seahawks, Six times a year, he's facing a, either Joey Bosa, J.J. Watt, or Aaron Donald. If I, I understand why he wants to get traded, because he already had enough problems, and now he's got J.J. Watt in the same division, hunting for his head every. Uh, hey, he wanted that money. He signed <laughs> that contract. That's his fault. He's got to deal with the consequences. Uh. <laughs> But uh, we'll get into that. He is named a, a few, a very few short list. He says, though I have not requested a trade, if I were to get traded, I would only want to be traded to these specific teams. Uh, it was the Las Vegas Raiders, the Dallas no. Boys, mm. Chicago Bears. Mm. And who was that fourth team? Do you remember who the Wasn't it, it? It was the Saints, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. You're right. It was the Saints. The Saints, yeah. Which has a possibility with Drew Brees calling it quits. Yeah, but the only issue with that is that uh, they have so much money rolled up in other players. So for his contract, you have to get rid of some of those players that he'd be coming to wanting to play with. I wouldn't be surprised. And so would he really be in a better situation than he is now? Weather's nicer. Can't argue with mm. it. You don't have to worry about your uh, flooded though in, no. in Seattle though. No, that's true too. But I mean, you you go to the Cowboys, which is not a very well run franchise right now. Has it ever been a real run franchise? <laughs> the rate, so. uh, they don't have anything around him, so he'd be in a similar situation he is to now. The Bears don't have anything around him. So, I mean, the four teams that he really wants to go to, the team themselves don't really make that much sense. Chicago makes sense. Chicago makes a lot of sense. And New Orleans makes a lot of sense. Chicago makes sense because he has a defense behind him that can actually hold hold teams to, you know, minimum points. I mean, Russell Wilson's done very well with, you know, not so great of offensive talent. I understand that you got, what is it, DK Metcalf? But other than that, like they're just they're the the receiving core is really basic, really average. I think honestly he could do really well in that offense. It just depends on if he can perform in cold weather, which he's shown as he can do in the past because he was the quarterback in Wisconsin, and Wisconsin does get really cold. Not Chicago cold, but it gets cold. Um, so I I think that those two teams they, they would have the cap space, so wouldn't Affects they wouldn't have to trade away any of their key guys to get him. They wouldn't lose like right. Mac. But what are you trading to get him? You're talking about you have to trade away all your draft pits, and when you're trying to build a team around him, does that really? What does that you know? Does that really help him, or is he just going to go to, you know, a, you know, trying to use the grass is greener analogy? Like it's not going to be. Is it really going to be that much greener? Going it's greener because of look at what you've got to go up against to get to the ultimate goal. You know what I mean? Up until that point. Like that division outside of Green Bay, it's it's average. I mean, yes, you got to go head-to-head with Aaron Rodgers, you know, who I think is the best quarterback in the league right now. 
But, you know. And Russell has shown that, that he can go toe-to-toe with him. Yeah, he can go toe-to-toe with him. And I just don't think that when it matters the most, like Aaron's one and five and, you know, conference championship games. So I think that that is what he's looking at. It's like I can stay over here and get murdered day in and day out. And I don't – he doesn't have the frame to – like Russell Wilson's what, 6'1"? I think he's less. I think he's under six feet. Actually. Short, yeah, I think he's like by the way, maybe five eleven. He's a you know he's a leaner Drew Brees. That's that's more mobile. Let's let's. I mean, if we're gonna assess what he is. So when you think about it from that point of view, I would just I would I would go, and I would leave. I would I would I would go to Chicago, and I just take my chances there. Uh, now, if you're talking about just from a strict offensive standpoint, yeah, New Orleans is better. But like you said, you got to trade away the farm and the cows and even the chickens with their eggs to get him. So I'm like, what do I, where can I go where I still get the core of the team? Yeah, you trade away the draft picks. You kind of mortgage your future on what you got. But I mean, if you look at it, LA did the exact same thing and it paid off and got them to a Super Bowl. They just didn't capitalize, you know? So yeah, I, I could see that. What are, what are your thoughts, Len? My thing with the Saints, um, it seems like they're grooming, what's his name? James 30 Winston. and 30, yeah, Jameis Winston to become the next QB. Well, and I know Drew Brees. He only had a one-year deal. He's not officially on the roster right now. I don't know if they're bringing him back or not. They're going to have to because uh, Drew Brees can't play a full season. And I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't see them completely trading everybody at this point. But um, is Taysom Hill going to be the guy instead of him, though? Are they? I mean, what, what, have no, that's blasphemous. No. I'm not saying it's the right choice. That is blasphemous. I'm just saying when they had they had to choose between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, they chose Taysom Hill to play for the five six games that that he was out. I'm not saying it's the right decision, but it's it may it makes you seem like they wanted that they're leaning towards Taysom Hill being the future of that team, not Jameis Winston. But can we all agree that Taysom Hill is nothing more than a younger Brock Osweiler? That, that that's that's all that guy is. Like, that's all he does well. That's I think he's got he... more talent than Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yes. No. Yes. Um, yes. I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Brock, y'all, y'all, y'all forget. Brock actually led his team when Peyton went down. To the championship game. Now he choked when he got there, but he got to the dance. Taysom ain't did nothing since his when BYU Brock, days. When Brock Osweiler left Peyton Manning's system, so because uh, let's be honest, it was Peyton Manning's system. Yeah, we know, we know. And went to the Houston Texans with Bill O'Brien, who somehow okay. well, kept his job as long as he did. What did he do? Where did, where did he go? With who? Yes. Where did he go? Yes. With who? With the same if happened if we he would have went to Matt we, Nagy. This goes back to the system. I'm just saying, I'm just saying argument with that the we same thing if happened if he would have went to Chicago with Matt Nagy. No, it doesn't happen. Bill O'Brien is the bottom of the bucket when it comes to offensive, just NFL talent in general. Deshaun Watson made the man look like a genius for 14, I mean, for what, four seasons? Come on. Nah. What are your we, we the older generation? I, I tell you, I think there's an inherent problem here that may run through just about all the discussions you guys have, and it's not your problem. It's the problem with the system here. You know, with everybody using Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and all those things, everybody's out there letting everybody else know what they want ahead of time. Sometimes it's maybe smart to keep your thoughts to yourself. Now, granted, once again, we'll speak about the man that I'm not a big fan about, Tom Brady. Well, you know, there are many of those. Tom Brady can go out there. He can take every roster in the NFL, go down that roster, and then say, you know what? This is the one. Pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm looking to come to Florida. How about you fit me in? Russell Wilson will never be able to do that. Russell Wilson isn't the quarterback that can look at the rosters in the NFL and call up an owner and say, what do you got for me? It's not going to happen. 
maybe what he needs to do is just just keep it to himself. Don't drop those hints on social media and listen. What I mean, you know, he may come up with somebody may come up with an offer and say, I want to let you know something. I got these two receivers and a fullback coming over for us. If I can get these three on the roster, what do you think about coming to Atlanta for giggles and grins? Keep your mouth shut once in a while. Let the offer come to you. Well, here's the hard thing about that. He's still under contract for a couple years. Tom Brady was a free agent when he did that. And he and so he could he could work his his contract to match whatever the team needs. So they didn't have to trade away key things. But our, they have to trade things away for to make Russell Wilson work with the salary cap. But are are you telling me that athletes of any sport, any caliber, that are still under contract, that don't discuss backroom deals. Are you telling me you don't believe that athletes will not work behind the scenes even when they're under contract? I, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. Uh, but, yeah, you, you have some points that he doesn't have the cachet that, uh, that Tom Brady has at the end of his career. Uh, with that however we there is a legitimate there are I'd say at least maybe 16 teams in in the NFL that if the Seattle Seahawks called them and said are you interested in in Russell Wilson they would say yes I agree so now I think uh I think Russell Wilson kind of hurt himself by saying I would only go to these four teams Uh, point I'm making I, I, that, that, I would agree with you on that 100% because then that hurts the Seahawks' abilities to trade, to, to work deals. Because if, they, if those four teams know that, that's, that those are the only place that he wants to go, they don't, have, they don't have to finagle as much. Limited competition is what he just set up. Yeah, and he's got a no-trade clause, so he can automatically say, I'm not going I'm to not New York. I'm not going to the New York Jets. Yeah. I don't know how many. Here's the thing. I said they would go <laughs> with the New York Jets. But, here's the thing with that, though. Um, I don't think the Seahawks are looking to trade him. And who's to say that he didn't request a trade, you know, a year ago or two years ago? And I don't know. I don't. I don't really care. Um, but if the Seahawks decided they heard this trade request and they're not going to honor it, he goes public to tie their hands. And that could be a situation, but, you know, I just don't know what what led to him just coming out randomly and saying, you know, Seahawks have to get their stuff together or I'm going to one of these four teams. Well, you know, you all you, you know that this saying, but the, where there's smoke, there's fire. Usually he's not he's not saying by he, he may have not officially requested a trade by him saying. I want if I were to be traded, I want to go to one of these four teams. He's saying straight up, trade me. Trade me. Not right. Here anymore. You don't just drop that information and in, in, if you don't really want to be somewhere anymore. But he also knows that he's getting to that age that it he he doesn't need to be part of a rebuilding program if he wants another ring. Um, he's got to move on to something that has the potential to win a ring now. Um I feel like the same way with J.J. Watt. I mean, you want to ring, you're at that age where you better be in a program that's already rebuilt, not rebuilding. Otherwise, you run out of time. And also, there's the factor of his significant other. Yeah. He's, he's married to a pop star. Yeah. I don't know, how, know about you, but I don't know many pop stars that want to live in Seattle for the rest of their lives. Probably none of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll move on to a man that you've been talking about a couple times already, Tom Brady. Uh, he was, Ooh. I was, he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was on, uh, I believe it was James Corden's late show. And after they won, I'll put that in quotations for Solomon because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't acknowledge the victory. For, for, <laughs> It was literally rigged, but I mean that's but, but here nor there. But okay. uh, he walks up and hugs his wife, and she says to him, "What else do you have to prove?" And Colin Cowherd explained it as, 
he's a guy here. It's not that he has anything to prove. He just enjoys playing. I agreed with that until I saw the schedule for next season. Who on the schedule would be relevant enough for Tom Brady to stay around for at least one more season? I haven't seen the schedule. Yeah. You had a guess. Who would be who would on the schedule say that I'm gonna be around for at least one more season, seeing that they are on my regular season schedule? No guesses. It's like a brain, it's like a brain tease to do. It's too early. The, the New morning. England Patriots are on the schedule next oh, year. Oh, all right. Oh, Mickey oh. wants to go back to Foxborough. He wants to go beat Belichick, is what he, he wants, wants to do. He wants to go drop 50 in, in Foxborough and leave. He might even retire after that game. Just to prove the point. Because remember, Belichick is, the, is a defensive guy. He can go into Belichick's house, and I believe they're at, at New England. I'm, I can't remember if they're at or away, but either way. He wants, to drop, he wants to get on the field against Belichick's genius defense that he never bothers going out and getting star players for his defense because he feels like it doesn't matter. He can out-scheme anybody with whoever he's got and go drop 50 on them and say goodbye. That's a possibility. I mean, most players that, from what I get, that have played for Bill Belichick are not a Bill Belichick fan. No matter how good you are with him as your head coach, you know, you start talking a little bit of dirt when you leave. And some players have actually left because they couldn't stand being with Bill Belichick anymore. I was never a Bill Belichick fan for years when he was even with the Jets, which is just another catastrophe in that organization but um you know for each it, it would be kind of one of those things where you know i hated your guts while i played for you i respected you enough as my head coach to do what you needed me to do now i'm coming to your house and i'm going to show you what i could do to you I, I i that's a possibility and also on top of that of all the accolades that he has, records he's taken from Peyton Manning, there is one that he does not have left. Chill out, bro. Stop. Stop there it. Are, Stop it. There are only two quarterbacks in NFL history that have beaten all 32 teams. Brett yep. and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Yep. And, you know, the difference between – there is a nice difference between Brett Favre and Peyton Manning. Um, Peyton Manning chose to go out when he was the king of the hill. Brett Favre stuck around to get a few more wins and hopefully another ring, and it just never went well. No. He couldn't move on from so that. So I don't think he's really that. I think he wants to prove himself better than Peyton Manning. Um, oh, he's chasing at this I point. I think he's chasing Peyton Manning, and I thought that was the case uh, with him going, going down to Florida to get that next ring because now he can go ahead and win another. Yeah, I know. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Solomon, you have you have something to uh, to interject here. I would just like to say for the people at home, you can't chase anybody unless that person is better than you or further ahead than you are. That oh! is all. That is all. That all is right. all. Well, I like that. I got. That is all. There's no need for Tom Brady to chase. As y'all can tell, I know nobody else can see this, but JT's already seen it before. As you can know, got 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 the. Got oh, the size look at that! Game. How yeah. nice that is. <laughs> Clean your room. Oh yeah, no. I like. But it. <laughs> at the end of the day, you can't chase somebody. I like unless it. they're better than you. I like that's it. all. I'm sorry. Thank you. I like Thank it. I like you, the way you Thank put you. that. All right, uh, so we'll move on. Uh, Talk about a sport we normally don't talk about on here. Uh, talk about golf. Uh, Tiger Woods suffered a horrible car accident um, and is been hospitalized now. Um, you've been on a lot of car, uh, been seen to a lot of season yeah, car accidents. I've, I've dealt with many, many devastating car wrecks with devastating injuries, debilitating injuries. Um, many people at the caliber that I normally would treat would be happy to be able to have their legs saved and they can walk for the rest of their lives. When it comes to an elite athlete, any body part that gets 
traumatized to the point uh, Tiger's leg did has got to be extremely concerning. Um, multiple fractures, multiple pins, a rod, screws galore to rebuild a an absolutely devastated leg. Um, you know, here now you got to think about even after the rehab, it's still not a balanced system anymore. How is that going to affect the way he plays the game? How is it going to affect his body position? I mean, he's already had back problems. Now you've got an imbalance between two legs. There's going to be complications with that. The question is not whether he will be able to play golf. The question is whether he's ever going to be able to play golf at the level he has. Now, from a professional who has, I mean, I've had my athletic trainer's ability involved in there, my paramedic ability, uh, a lot of orthotic work myself, um, you know, where is he going to stand? I would tell you this much. If it was any other golfer, I would say no way. But you know what? We are talking about Tiger Wood. Tiger Wood's one in a million. Tiger Wood may be able to have that dedication to pull it off. And you know what? Bottom line is, I don't think he's going to go down without a fight. Well, Solomon, you you play golf more than anybody else on here. Um, this is true. This is true. Uh, you so you you have a better understanding about how the mechanics of a club swing works than anybody else on us. Now you're not the, you're not an expert, but you're more of an expert than anybody yeah. on here. Um, he's already had Sit. back issues. What's up? He's already had a lot of back issues, and then that obviously start. affects the swing. Um, and then. Now factoring in using a leg that has pins and screws and been reworked, how does how much is that leg involved in the swing, and how much how is that going to affect moving forward? How long could this potentially be before he can actually play competitively? In your well, his uh, well obviously the leg is like a huge part. Like when you're shifting that momentum especially like with the driver, which is, in my opinion, outside of the putt game, the most important game in golf because, like, you can be good with your woods and your irons, but if you can't get the ball off the tee, you're, you're screwed. So, like, that, that's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty hard for him to overcome. Um, just speaking from it from a, a strict person, you know, standpoint, I, I got to go off the notion of, like, what else do you have to prove? I mean, yeah. You've gotten you're, – you're the face of the sport, you know, no less. You are the sport in many retrospects. I mean, like, golf went down to an all-time low in viewership, and then this man, like, competes and wins the Masters, and then that gets people like me, you know, back spending $16 at a golf course to go drive balls. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's it's that type of effect that the man has. Uh, I, I don't know – if you do come back from this, the only the only upside of seeing him play golf is the fact that Charlie is looking to follow in his footsteps. And that might be like the one little emotional factor that we have playing for us to see, you know, Tiger Woods come back and play golf at a high level. Because, I mean, we all we saw like the father son charity event and how well. Like, that 12-year-old, Jesus Christ, can hit a ball better than I can, and I'm a grown-behind man. Like, his backspin is incredible. You still uh, a child yourself. Don't don't lie. <laughs> I know. I look. I still get caught up at, look, I bought uh, two things of beer yesterday, and, like, the guy thought my ID was fake, so I feel good about that. I really yeah. do. <laughs> but, uh, no, nah, man, I think that, you know, as far as from the medical standpoint, it's going to take him anywhere from eight months to a year to get back to where he wants to be. Um, now, the question of will he do it or won't he, I think he will simply because of the fact that his son has shown the love of the sport that he has. If he didn't have that, I think he would just, you know, rehabilitate, hang it up, become like, you know, one of these guys that play in all of the, you know, the born, you know, maybe even the senior tour. And, you know, make some money here and there and then kind of ride off into the sunset with his best days behind him. But with the, with his son being as good as he is, I think that you'll see him come back. I do. 
Lamoris, uh, you, we, we hearken you as the, the, the fan, the man of the people on this podcast. Uh, Tiger has a, had a lot of uh, iconic moments in sports history. Uh, if you had to give a top five list of iconic moments throughout sports that you actually got to see firsthand. Uh, and, and so put this in context, you know, Joe Namath making the, the guarantee is one of the most legendary moments in sports. I didn't see that. That's something. So I can't speak on the magnitude of it. You were two years old, but no, you- no, 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 no. I was eight. You were eight. Okay, so you might have had a little I bit of... I saw it. Okay. I saw the broadcast, and I saw the ball game. It was amazing. So the magnitude of things, you have to... So not just you were alive for, and you were maybe sitting on your, your you know, your, on the couch with your family, but you were, you were old enough to understand the magnitude of the situation. What are some moments like that? Because that, Tiger had a couple of those moments himself. What, what are the moments that stick out to you in your mind? Now, my moments are going to be different than I would say, like, the biggest moments in history because, you know, I'm a fanboy. Yes. Um, I'm going to qualify so that statement. Lakers and so, Falcons. Got it. Yeah. Go, yeah. Right. So, so Lakers, Kobe's last game for me was just iconic. And I think out of those five rings and the, the MVP and all-star games and everything like that, I think his final game is his most memorable moment um, for me. Like, to go out and drop 60 on your last game, pull off a comeback win, and the way he played. Granted, he took, like, what, 30, 40 shots, you know, they to put up 60. all-star game-level defense on him, so, yeah. I just, even looking back at it now, like, after his death, you know, I think yeah. that moment – really stands out for me um this one's kind of like I guess I wouldn't say underrated but underappreciated um but Michael Phelps when he broke the um gold medal record I think that's that's going to be like one of those things that you have to be there um Mm -hmm. to really understand um I'm trying to think about like stuff that has to do with baseball i can't even think of iconic baseball things i I remember really the captain the the captain retiring bro they hit an rbi at your last yeah that is an iconic moment that's iconic bro or when mariano rivera when uh it was andy pett and Derek jeter walked out to the mound to 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 relieve him of his duties in his final game unbelievable that was a good moment well that's not i would I would say bloody socks uh, by Kurt uh, Schilling. Kurt Schilling was yeah. more memorable for me, but I'm not a Yankees fan, so you know. Um, it's okay. No, this, this one's. Anyways, <laughs> we we made it further than y'all did. Um, I would say my my biggest Braves moment in general was uh, the playoff game, and there was an infield fly. Uh, oh yeah, that, that was. was that was like halfway into the outfield. Somehow they called it. He dropped the ball, and a huge protest by the by the Braves, of course. But um, those are really the Kobe and Michael Phelps ones stand out to me. Of course, you know there's stuff that I've been on on the wrong side of um, twenty eight three. You know, I think that's going to be legendary at some point well that that um, has become we didn't know it at then that has become the stigma that surrounds the falcons yes. that's not just that's not just a moment that's that's the stigma now yes. falcons to blow big leads like that and we didn't know that at right the- i mean we were clowned at at the time as well it's just you know it wasn't well as- we didn't know that was going to be a habit for this team we didn't expect that to become the- it was a habit the, city, the, the whole state of georgia it's like that. But, um, don't 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 play. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Let's see. Oh, Vince Young and uh, in the Rose that Bowl. national right oh, the national oh, that, championship that play, game. Just that play was just incredible itself. It can be its own moment. 
outside of the win itself? That one was huge. Um, I don't know. That's that's tough for me to to just pick five because you know, it, is, it is a tough I, one. I, I fanboy a yeah. lot. All right. So I'm what you got? How many Alabama and is, is all of it Alabama and LeBron for your list? Top five? No, not all of it's Alabama and LeBron. But okay, so number five, uh, number five has to be the redeemed team when they won in 2008. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning to watch them win that game against Spain. What was I think it was like 114 to like 106. I woke up and watched that. Number four has to be when the Cubs came back from down 3-1 2016 mm-hmm. to win the World Series in explosive fashion. Can't forget that. Number three has to be uh, Tiger Woods winning the Masters the this last time just because of like how it revitalized the sport. And I like, I did never known golf outside of Tiger Woods. I mean, who, what, what African-American person would know golf if it wasn't for Tiger Woods. But also on top of that, before Tiger Woods, all the golf players looked like me that were playing professionally. They had a big gut and were had an, un, were unrefined. And then Tiger Woods comes in looking like an outside linebacker that you would not want to have to scheme against and completely takes over the sport because by Sunday in the South Georgia heat, all of the guys that have guts like mine are done. They, they can't handle that heat after three long days of playing golf. And then the, on day four, they look at Tiger Woods. He looks like it's, it's, it's a practice round in, you know, cool, calm weather of California. So um, he changed, he didn't just bring a whole new demographic to this, to the sport. He changed the way you prepared for the sport. I agree. Yeah. Uh, There's a two way tie for two in my eyes. Cause these two are like, they're both not synonymous, but they're very close. Uh, Peyton Manning won his last Super Bowl ring, even though, like I said, like he had absolutely nothing to do with it for him to come back and beat Tom Brady in the in the in the in the in the divisional championship game to get to the Super Bowl was priceless because Brock Osweiler was playing like dog crap. Peyton comes in and I'm talking about handoff, handoff, and what was like a five yard skinny post, Wes Walker touchdown. Best I'm talking about best memories of my life. That is tied with. Alabama beating LSU in the national title game back in 2000 and what was that? That 13 where it a, they no, lost. It was, a, it, was a, it was a 2011. We were, that was our freshman year. That's right. It was 2011. And, they, and LSU of, never crossed midfield. Midfield until like two minutes left in the fourth. And then obviously number one, which like, I don't care. Can't be beat in my eyes is when LeBron comes back from a three, one deficit to beat. Honestly, the best constructed team in the history of the sport, uh, and wins his third title. Like that, that right there is like you you can't you can't yeah. write a better story for one person to do as much as he did and brought a championship to a city that without him is a, a wasteland. They don't have anything outside of him. He was the economy. Yeah. All right, you want to give us a history lesson? Yeah, a little bit. You know, JT brought this up yesterday to me. I'm thinking, God almighty, how do you narrow things down to, to five iconic moments? And I mean, what's running through my head? And this one's for Solo. Um, the Alabama field goal that wasn't is one of the ones that come to mind. I mean, Ouch. Joe Namath, obviously, you know, and then, um, you know, and there's, I mean, and I'm thinking back and I'm thinking, well, you know what? These what bothers me is these are the moments that once again in your world, your generation, tweets and books and TikToks and all those, everybody's talking about themselves and how great they were and what a great job they did. And I'm trying to think back. I said, you know, there was a softer time where people didn't do that. Joe Namath was a rarity that had the audacity to stand up there in front of news reporters and says, I'm going to beat the Baltimore Colts. I guarantee it. 
Now he had nothing to lose, but that wasn't common back then. And I'm thinking back, you know, in 1980, I was a freshman in, in college and, you know, United States Olympic uh, hockey team uh, right up the street from us in, in Lake Placid beats the Soviet Union, then wins the gold medal. That's not supposed to happen. And they wouldn't even want to talk about their team because they really weren't that good. And I'm thinking, all right, there's more things like that that are important. What about the things that were never said? And maybe not even about the wins or the great plays. And it brought me back to uh, summer of 1979. I was, um, I just graduated high school, uh, going off to college in a couple of weeks. Dad got some tickets for a Yankee game. You know, we lived in Stanford, Connecticut. It wasn't a big deal then to get tickets to the Yankees. Um, and, you know, I was a Yankee fan all my life. I didn't have any choice. I was made to be a Yankee fan with my family members. As a matter of fact, Sorry. I had a baseball cap. I had a Yankee cap before my mother had roses. I mean, it was a, it's a big deal in our family that I got thought of first. But as time went on, I got to my first Yankee game. I was five years old. Um, Dad goes me in with a few family members. Mom, there three dollar seats for three dollar reserve seats. Okay, unheard of. We'll sit down, and there it is, old Yankee Stadium. I got a steel girder right in front of my seat. Tears. Dad says, "Fine, go to the exchange window." Gets tickets behind behind home plate. And what I mean, I'm thinking this is just the coolest thing in the world. I've never seen baseball like this before. And as a five year old, the one thing I thought of was, "Gee, the catcher has the best view of the game." out of all the players. And I'm thinking, that's the position I want to play. I started, I told dad, I want to learn to catch. He was working and we worked it. And I was able to play up through, I caught up through uh, middle school. The knee problem became a problem. But, you know, in 1969, I watched a Yankee guy come out, rookie, by the name of Thurman Munson, came out and here he is on the field as a rookie and he is going ahead and he's taking charge. He is, he's commanding this team. He's running this team. And it's like the audacity of a rookie to tell, especially Yankee veterans, how to play baseball. To me, that just seemed amazing. Thurman Munson. Only got only Yankee to ever be rookie of the year and MVP. And think about the Yankee greats. He's the only one that ever did that. So 1979, day before the game, the Yankees, it's a team day off, uh, driving home. I was a lifeguard on the beach, driving home from work, and I hear, as a matter of fact, we're sitting on the beach still, uh, Thurman Munson crashes his airplane and dies. Unbelievable. Devastating. I didn't even know if we're going to the game the next night. The Yankees decided, in honor of Thurman, okay, the Thurman was such a well-respected player, they ran the game. Obviously, they were going to have a tribute to him that night. It's the very next night, and I'm lucky enough to be in the stands for this. And there's my iconic moment. They go ahead and they bring out the Yankees without introduction onto the field. All the players are on the field, and the catcher's box is empty. I mean, what a striking moment that is. And up on the scoreboard, they're showing a picture of his program picture, the most iconic picture of Thurman Munson making a play at the plate. Okay? And now this wasn't the pictures you get on scoreboards now. It was those amber lights that either you turn the amber light on or you turn it off and you get this shadow of a picture. But amazing. They kept flashing those back and forth. A tribute to him, uh, you know, God bless America, all that kind of stuff. Then for 10 minutes, the crowd refused to yield. 51,000 of us on our feet cheering. And it's not because... He made great plays. He's not because he told us about great plays that he made. It's because what he meant to fans and players. Lou Pinella was his road uh, roommate in left field. Can't console himself. He's crying so hard. Okay. Um, um, you know, he, he was the first captain since Lou Gehrig that the Yankees had because of the respect they had for him. And, you know, my iconic moment is when you see a guy that doesn't have to talk about himself. He packs his lunch pail. He goes to work. He does his job. And if people like what he did, great. If not, the next day he's going to get up, he's going to pack his lunch pail, and he's going to try again. And unfortunately, I think with the social media stuff we have now, that kind of personality is lost. And that was being in that stadium that night, 
and seeing what an athlete could be respected as, I thought if I could ever be respected as anything in my life, the way Thurman Munson was shown appreciation that night, I had made myself something. So mine's a little different, but no, that's a great icon to be there on the night they mem- they you're, they memorialize one of the most iconic players for a franchise ever. That's the special. That's the special night. That's that. I mean, I'm sure if Lamoris would have could have been there for when they memorialized Kobe, Kobe. Bryant, yep. it would be the same yep. thing. So that that takes all five. I wish I had you gone last. Had I know I never knew that story from you. I wish I wasn't going after you on that one. Mine aren't as good. Uh, one of them for me. Uh, Solomon touched on it with his uh, talking about. LeBron taking Cleveland up back from 3-1, but the moment itself that actually led to that comeback was the chase down block that LeBron had that sparked the comeback in that game that we thought this was the series was basically over. Him hitting that right there, that was that's just kind of one of those. This is it felt different. It wasn't just a defensive play. It was it was something that you could feel was like this is going to change the atmosphere in this in the arena. Uh, I also have the the kick six from the Auburn Alabama game. I remember sitting in. I had just we had just I just come back from Thanksgiving break. I was sitting there with our roommate uh, Chris Jest, and he looks at me. He sees that there's a guy back there. He's like, "What if they actually take this one back?" And I'm looking I'm like, "There's no way that doesn't happen." And he gets it, and I see there's six or seven guys lined up like it's a punt return, ready to go to, to take escort him down the field. And I'm like, that that I don't you don't see that. They this wasn't just, oh, throw somebody back there to catch you. They this was a designed play that they had. And he gets he he gets, you know, out to the 30 yard line and he's got space still. And I'm like, this this could happen. This could actually, and, and me and him are going ballistic in the room. I can never forget. That was one of those moments that's just insane to think about. And touching on what you had, Lamar, talking about Michael Phelps with the whole aspect of it. But I think about uh, with the individual medley race that he had. And he was, they finished, were finishing with a butterfly. And he was a couple strokes back. You could see, and he's, he's just gutting it out. And he touched that wall. I don't know if they didn't have technology of the day, if this if this same race happened, you know, 30, 40 years ago, if they could say for sure who actually won that it race. It would have they would have called it. 30 a tie. years ago, that would have been a tie. And it's it's incredible talking it's he's a he's a player like or a athlete, a participant like Thurman Munson to just it just it didn't matter in that moment that he's not he's just going. It's just whatever happens, happens. He just laying it all out there. Uh, and I thought that was a, a great moment. Um, the Eli Manning, David Tyree connection in the Super Bowl. I, I, you know, as a giant fan, we got to talk about that one. Nobody on the offensive line blocked for him. Today, that, that same situation, they would have blown it dead before he had a chance to throw the ball down the field because of how much they protect quarterbacks now more than they do then. I think the moment they got they, they they saw that jersey getting pulled, they would have blown the whistle today. So that play, I don't think that play would happen today, um, and that leads to, you know, it, them taking down this undefeated team coming into the Super Bowl, uh, which I believe is just incredible. And uh, my last one here, oh, I know I got two more actually. Uh, Tiger Woods in the U.S. Open, uh, not him winning it specifically, but there was a hole where the whole the the pole for the green was basically down in a valley and he turns 90 degrees away from the hole puts it up the hill and it comes back down into the hole i remember sitting there with you watching that what, what a, I, I couldn't believe it happened I, i'm i'm saying he what is against the laws of physics it shouldn't have worked at all and it did um and then finally i'm going to end it with uh when i was working as a ga at valdosta state the Carson Newman game. Oh, uh, the leap. The, the, the leap. There's two iconic yeah. in that game. There was Cedric O'Neill in the open field leaping over a guy. And what makes that part so iconic, they're asked about him, of course, in the, in the post game interview, because it was a 
playoff game. They actually do that for D2. And he said, I saw the guy go low, so I just decided to leave. Just a D2 athlete just have the ability to say, to in the moment say, oh, he's going low. I can jump over him. And in a split second, just do it and take off for a touchdown. That was an incredible moment. In a playoff game, you know, you talk about big-time players make big-time plays in big-time moments. And he, and that was a big-time play in a big-time moment and obviously a big-time player. I'm surprised he didn't have – didn't end up doing anything, um, making more rosters in the NFL. I thought he legitly had that. Um, and then to end that game, this game – there was no defense in this game whatsoever. You were so disappointed. I know you were. I know. I hate that. <laughs> I think there was like 110 points scored in that game total. Um, last play of the game – we got no timeouts left. There's like 10 seconds left. I think we're on the, I think it was on the 20-yard line. Greg Den, who was a transfer from Florida State, comes across the field, run, a, 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 runs a dig route, catches in the middle of the field. And like at that point, you know, this is the last play of the game. And he slips a tackle. He's at the five-yard line and he just leaps. And I don't know if that ball could have been in any shorter distance to the goal line. Because looking back, when we actually watched the film and we were breaking, we were breaking it down after the game, when you couldn't tell if it touched the line or not. It was that close. Um, it was been one of those, if it, there was review, the call on the field would have stood. Nothing would have been confirmed. It was, it was, it's, it's that insane. That, that was one of the ones that I'll always remember. And just us going insane. The uh, Coaches running out of the box, just jumping on top of each other. Uh, it's it's one of those moments as a coach that you'll that you just can't forget. Absolutely. Uh, but we'll move on. Uh, we'll get to the petty moment of the week. Um, Y'all have anything? You can go ahead and get started. Uh, if not, I can jump in with one. I've had this one for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's hysterical. Uh, Drew Brees. Uh, walked into his son's room and saw an article about Tom Brady on the computer screen. He said, oh, are you doing a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a project for on Tom Brady? He's like, no, I'm doing a project on the greatest quarterback of all time. Oh, I just was like, oh, that's, that's not fair. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. <sighs> do you have any petty moments you know from this? this? I don't have petty moments. <laughs> you just have a petty life. It's, it's, <laughs> everything is normal for me. <laughs> uh, what do you got for us? I'm trying to think of uh, what's happened recently. Yeah, this week was relatively quiet with that stuff, unfortunately. Usually, um, I retweet the petty stuff um, on uh, our yeah. Twitter. Yeah, which you should follow us. Um, it's at underscore off the cuff sports underscore. We'd be more than happy to um, entertain some pettiness. Yeah, tweet at us your favorite uh, petty tweets that you've seen so far. We'll and we will we'll, we can feature them on the show for sure. Do you have anything okay. that you've done this week, Solomon? His ring? Is that is that your your is that your ring? Is that your region ring ring right there? Oh, how pretty that is! Well, that looks just like the national championship ring for Valdosta. That's the same design right there. That's a nice ring. That's, That's a, nice. And you still have your job. <laughs> <laughs> That's the petty moment. Week, everybody. All right. There we go. Good job, Omar. Good job. All right. I was going to say, uh, you, buddy, we can't hear what you're saying, man. You're on mute. It's like talking to him. Oh, yeah. My bad. Sorry. I was going to say, Lamar knows that at the end of the day, the petty moment of the week for me is, is that, like, the fact that, um, Where's Lamores? Lamores, where's your face at? I gotta see your face when I say this. The fact of the matter is that, like, I'm I'm staying here. Remember, remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the petty moment <laughs> of the week. That's the petty <laughs> one. Yep. Yeah, that's a petty one. Some somebody that that is in my conference, uh, unfortunately, uh, 
was relieved of their duties and uh-huh. I was asked to replace them. Uh, and I, I had to turn them down because I would much rather stay in my situation where I'm at than go and fix. Sometimes. He, yeah, he so, run with the devil. You already know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll move on to final thoughts. ready for baseball season yeah i'm just ready for baseball since that starts up uh i'm going to turn into a whole new beast this year (laughs) not really but you know it's it's going to be interesting watching uh the dodgers and the um what's their name the padres fight for who's going to win the world series so the braves aren't going to do anything this year that's what you're saying i mean have you seen their rosters? No. No, no I don't. I don't. No. Uh, oh, shout out to uh, Trevor Bauer. Um, he, when he was uh, about to sign this offseason, he really was about to sign with the Mets, but uh, his agent or whoever released a advertisement prematurely saying that uh, he was going with the Mets. And he was like, you know what? I don't want to go here. I'm going to go with the Dodgers. And, uh, joined the super team shout out to him for creating a team that's completely unbeatable yeah and also at the same time yeah. the Mets are not a well-run franchise I mean they're not the Jets I mean, in that city but they're they're not necessarily the best and the Dodgers they know what they're doing out there like if, if they want to take you and it go for it I wouldn't say they're well ran um they're well paid but they're also – it's a better – the front office is better than the Mets. You can't argue that. They're the Yankees of the West. Yeah. yeah. And the Yankees did a good job just paying a bunch of people and eventually winning the championship. They, they, they can do that. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I imagine, Solo, your ring is your final thought. Uh, my, my final thought is always treat, uh, treat people with respect because, unfortunately – you know, when, whenever you're disrespectful, it comes back to bite you in the butt. So going with the good old Bible verse, you reap what yep, you sow. You do. <laughs> sow good things, and good things come back to you. When you sow discord and hate, you wind up losing your job. And that's all I'm going to say. You got any final thoughts for us this week? Yeah, you know, over the last year, I think we all found out some of the things in life that, you know, have been more important are not quite as important, but we all miss the same thing. We admit we miss, you know, the crowds in the stadiums. We miss parts of our season. We miss, we, we, we lost the Olympics last year. Um, let's hope it all comes back together this year. And the way it's going to happen is we all just got to remember this whole COVID crap is not only about ourselves, it's about everybody around us. So let's do the right thing and let's get back to normal. Let's go ahead and feel comfortable packing a stadium so people are falling out of the damn stands. Once we get that back together, we know we know we're on the back on the right road. You, you, you gotta you gotta do things the right way now. So so that we wear our masks, go get the vaccine. So we can we can we can't get back to that unless you got everyone plays as a team and fix this together. Uh, I'll end with my final thoughts with Jets. Don't don't draft Zach Wilson. That's 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 not your future. That's not your future. Don't do that. That's you're just gonna be in the same situation you were with Josh Allen, who you are trying to trade. That worked out really well for you. Uh, so in four years, uh, when his contract's up, you're gonna trade this guy again, and we're gonna go around around the circle. Go get a guy that you, you know that's gonna that that is talented and can put his heart on the line. Justin Fields and build an offense around him. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about this next time. We should be taking everyone. All of us agree that Trevor Lawrence should go first. After that, we can we can go back and forth on who that is. Uh, but with that, we'll end it. This has been Off the Cut Sports. Thank you for being with Guys, us. Guys, thank you so nice seeing you to start with. Uh, hate that it's only virtual, but been great to see. and thanks for letting me play this morning i had a lot of fun yes well, sir. thanks for joining us all right we'll see y'all next week on off the cuff sports
Go dogs. Roll Tide. Oh, snap. What's up? You're actually on time, aren't you? I like you. I I, I like you unlike your son. Your son, I can't stand, but you I actually love. Okay. (laughs)